Seven days after Richard and Sarah were married, they were smuggling Bibles into Eastern Europe. Imagine that. On your honeymoon, you're smuggling Bibles into Eastern Europe with the risk of being jailed and separated. But that shows their heart for the Lord. And they've continued to send Bibles. Sarah's going to share some of that with you. Just in various places around the world where people cannot get the Bibles into their hands. And so I want you to give her a great big summit welcome as she comes to share today and let her know how much we love and appreciate her. Hallelujah. What a joy to be in the house of the Lord. And I really mean it is a joy to be in the house of the Lord. You know, in, the, in light of especially this year where, you know, um, we were, for, you know, kind of forbidden or, um, you know, uh, ruled out from coming to the house of God, uh, I just remembered, you know, the times that Richard and I worked, you know, in Russia where they were forbidden to come and assemble in the house of God. And so they would still meet in homes and barns and wooded areas at a risk of, you know, uh, minimum, you know, imprisonment of, you know, three years maximum death, and um, and yet, you know, God, God's church thrived in the midst of those trials, in the midst of even the persecution. God's church triumphed, and God's church is, you know, friends, it's not the building, but we are the church. We are the church, and um, and the church. I mean. Uh, Satan will bring all kinds of attacks, but the church of God, it will triumphant. It will triumphant, and it's important. It's so important to just assemble together. There's, I loved, you know, I mean, I love, you know, reading the word and praying and, you know, uh, seeking God's face at home, but there's nothing like the fellowship, the fellowship of God's people together. There's just, um, you know, each one of us, each one of us are gifted with God's talents, you know, to bring an encouragement, to bring, you know, something into the, to the body of Jesus Christ. So to me, this is a blessing, a blessing from God and an honor to just come together and worship the Lord. So anyway, I just want to quickly, you know, mention uh, my husband and I, Richard and I, we uh, wrote three books and um, they're on the table in the back. And one of them is Tears of Triumph. And um, that just shares how God led his parents out of, you know, Germany, out of Poland, Germany, and, you know, just did a lot of miracles. And then we share quite a few of our own personal experiences. And then another book called, you know, Agon v Noche. Trying to think that in English now. It's in English, sorry. Fire by night. <laughs> it is in English. We do have one. It's also translated in Russian, but Agon v Noche, Fire by Night. Okay, my mind is thinking Russian because I've been thinking about, you know, all the things that we've been doing in Russia and Ukraine. So if I kind of blurt out these Russian words and you don't understand them, you pray for the interpretation. <laughs> and if you don't get the interpretation, you ask Pastor Milt. <laughs> but anyway, Fire by Night is just, um, you know, it's an, uh, a story, an exodus of God's deliverance, you know, out of communist Russia, you know, my parents and a group of believers out of Russia, 
bring them into China, and then from China, I was born there, into the free world. And then the last one is communist comedy relief. And oh my goodness, if there ever was a more relevant book for America today, that is one that my husband did years ago, communist comedy relief. I mean, uh, so many rules, regulations, and things, you know, are um, so similar to, you know, and yet God's triumphant victory you know, through all those episodes. So anyway, um, they're, you know, uh, for a donation of $10 a book or else three of them for $25. So anyway, so much for infomercials. <laughs> Our God is a good God. And um, I tell you, there is no one, no one like him. And um, uh, uh, Pastor Milt was just, you know, mentioning about Richard asking him to go to Ukraine, to Russia, and those were, I mean, those were the days, those were the years that were open to, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Doors have been, you know, closing. And this year, um, I mean, the doors have been closed for a Westerner, for American to go into Russia or Ukraine. But our teams are still doing an awesome job, you know, from Ukraine, from Russia, throughout those, you know, countries, throughout the Islamic republics. And I just want to share a report real quickly. They sent the report to me about, oh, a little over a week ago now. And it was a report, and this whole year, I mean, um, with all the shutdown, all the stuff that has been closed, and it's been the same in, you know, Ukraine and Russia. Well, for the first time uh, in the Islamic Republic, some of the Islamic Republics, I mean, last year Uzbekistan opened up, but this year there are several of the Islamic Republics that were shut down for decades and decades. Uh, one of them was Kyrgyzstan and um, uh, some other stans there, you know, and so anyway, they were closed, and one of those stans, some of our Christians were beheaded just last year. And so, but anyway, this year, because of the COVID, the government, you know, there was such a need for humanitarian aid for food and stuff like that. And, and so the government opened the doors for um, the people, our teams, you know, from the Ukraine to come and help and bring the food up there. So they brought not just food, but the government opened the door for them to, and they allowed them to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, for the first time in this year, I said, okay, God, I can't travel to any of these countries. I can't, you know, help in, you know, in any way. But I said, God, I just ask that, you know, if the doors open for some of these stands, you know, can you just provide enough so that we could put in several hundred thousand Bibles into these places? Well, I want to thank the church. I want to thank each one of you. Um, God allowed us. Impact Ministries, to put in five tons of Bibles, which is over 200,000. God is an awesome God. And I mean, there are so many testimonies from former Muslims that, you know, received the word of God. There was one guy, Boris, and he was, of, uh, he was you know, in prison and, and he was, a, you know, a real bad criminal. He had killed people. And so anyway, he was released. And um, one of the, you know, one of a Christian person, you know, um, one of our teams came and they heard about Boris. And so one of the teams gave a Bible and to a, a friend of his to give a Bible to him. And this friend was Boris's old, old criminal friend. 
and his friend had given his heart to Jesus Christ. But Boris, he was still just, you know, a, a, a strong Muslim, and he refused. He refused to accept the Bible, and so he wanted to come and kill our team member. He said, I'm going to go to the meeting, and I'm going to kill that guy that is, you know, propagating uh, about, you know, Jesus Christ. So he comes to the meeting with the agenda of killing our brother in Christ. Well, instead, the Holy Spirit just convicted, convicted Boris. And Boris, he gives his heart to Jesus Christ. And he, not only did he surrender to Jesus Christ, he began to share with his fr- family and friends. And at first, his family, they, you know, ostracized, they, you know, isolated. They said, you are not our son. But after, in a short time, within the summer, the whole family and all the relatives had come to know Jesus Christ as a result of the Word of God. Friends, God's Word, God's Word, it is powerful. It is sure. And friends, it it just affects lives eternally. So thank you, thank you for, you know, pouring in and investing in eternal, eternal values and eternal souls. So thank you, thank you so much. And um, so anyway, we had, we poured put um, several tons of Bibles also throughout the eastern uh, zone of Ukraine. The war is still going on, unfortunately. And so we just penetrated a lot of these villages with the Bibles in those areas as well. And, um, and there was one orphanage that was just hit with a rocket, you know, Russian rocket, uh, one of our orphanages. And we were able to renovate, restore it. And so, again, thank you, thank you for your support and your prayers and just, you know, your sacrificial giving. So, bless you, bless you. I'd like to turn to um, to First Kings. And um, the message I'd like to kind of share today, it says, excuse me there. It says, when God seems silent to you. When God seems silent to me, when, you know, we think that God is just silent. So anyway, um, in 1 Kings chapter 19, and um, just reading a, a couple of verses, you know, here about Elijah. And um, so, well, it'll be not just a couple, it'll be quite a few verses, all right? <laughs> so uh, chapter 19, reading uh, verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father. Then going down, then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise. And eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and 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 he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. He said to him, "What are you doing here, Elijah?" So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone, I'm just by myself, I'm left, and they seek to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, 
the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazel as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Melchah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place, and then go down. Yet I have reserved, the Lord says to him, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Heavenly Father, I ask you right now that you would just illuminate your word into the hearing in the hearts of your people this very morning. <clears throat> Jesus, I just ask that you would just minister by your sweet, tender Holy Spirit. Father God, I ask that you would captivate our heart, our mind, and let our focus be on Christ Jesus. Father God, I ask that you would just dismiss all worries. You would dismiss things, Lord, that may be uh, blogging our minds, Father God, I just ask that you would just allow your word to become alive. Let your word minister, minister to the hearts and the hearers of your people this very day. Let faith arise. Let faith arise in each one of them to a higher plateau, to a higher level in you, Jesus. And I just ask you, Father, that your name would be glorified in all that is said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, Elijah, I mean, he, is a, he was a man like, just like we are, a human person. And Elijah, I mean, he experienced the great miracle, you know, of Mount, Car at Mount Carmel, when the fire of God came and consumed, consumed, you know, the, you know, the altar there. And yet, and consumed, you know, and, the, and Baal worshipers there, the false prophets were killed. But at the same time, you know, here, Elijah, he experiences all these miracles. But yet, as he comes back, and he just finished running the race with Ahab, you know, and he, you know, he beat him. And I believe, you know, he was just lifted in the spirit and ran ahead of Ahab to tell him that there is a cloud there's rain, an abundance of rain that was coming upon that land where it hadn't rained for so long, where it was, there was a famine. There was, you know, this famine in that land because of not, you know, because of the drought. And here God said, I'm going to bring rain. I'm going to give rain. And yet there was nothing, you know, in, you know, that they could see. There was no evidence of, you know, seeing any clouds visible. But faith 
in him, faith in Elijah, the word that God has spoken to him, you know, there is going to be an abundance of rain. And friends, I feel the still small voice of God is speaking today. There is coming an abundance of rain, supernatural Holy Ghost fire coming upon this community, coming upon Wasilla, coming upon these areas. There is coming a mighty revival. God has spoken that before, but I believe there, this is a time where God is going to bring an abundance, an abundance of rain. Yes, in the natural, it might seem impossible. In the natural, it might seem like like, well, we don't see anything. Things are dead, you know, but yet in the supernatural, God says, just look up. It was just a little, at first, there was nothing. There was nothing that, you know, the servant of Elijah, you know, saw, but Elijah said, go again, go again. And he goes again, and he goes again. And finally, he says, I just see the size of a hand, the size of a hand. And all of a sudden, Elijah says to, Jay, to Ahab, run, run, you know. And um, so as he runs, he, you know, uh, Elijah, he passes him by, you know. And so he experiences the miracle of the rain coming. But as he experiences all these miracles, all of a sudden that finishes. And here is Jezebel, Ahab's wife, a wicked woman. And she was after killing God's prophets. She had killed God's prophets and she was, you know, after Elijah. And so Elijah, he gets scared. He gets scared and fear, you know, gripped his heart. And yes, we all go through these different times when, okay, God, you know, I know you are doing marvelous things, but yet it seems like, God, I just don't hear you. I don't hear your voice. I don't hear you speaking. I don't hear, you know, I don't know where to go, what to do. And this year, in this time of unprecedented, you know, things that have happened, the COVID that has come, you know, throughout the, you know, throughout nations. I mean, yet there's so much rage, so much fear, so much uncertainty that has come and hit the people. And also, you know, a lot of Christians have been hit with fear as well. And yet at the same time, you know, God says in his word, you know, he has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. We are not to fear no matter what faces you. Friends, no matter what COVID is around, no matter what virus is around, we are not to fear that virus, but we are to have the fear of the Lord. God wants his church to arise, to arise above the circumstances, to arise above whether you hear his voice loud and clear or not. He wants you to be in the position that you may even hear that still small voice, that still small voice. It might not be in the thunder. It might not be in the fire. It might not be in the earthquake, but God's still small voice is still there. He is still faithful. He is still faithful to his people as we trust him and obey him. You know, as Elijah, he runs into this cave, goes into this cave and he's sitting and it says under a broom tree. I thought, wow, what an appropriate, you know, um, during this time, um, not Halloween, I call it the harvest time, you know, but here Elijah is sitting under a broom tree. So I don't know what a broom tree looks like. You know, I probably should have, you know, checked it out. But anyway, here he's sitting under a broom tree and he's asking God, you know, he says, I've had it. I've had enough. I just want to die. I just want to die. I've just had enough. You know, and yet God sends an angel. 
And, he, and, and God speaks to him and says, what are you doing here? I mean, I'm sure God knew what he was doing, but he wanted Elijah to speak forth. He wanted Elijah to speak and declare the word. But Elijah, instead of speaking life, he speaks, he speaks death to himself. He's speaking death. And, you know, some of us, we have to be careful what we speak. Are we speaking life or are we speaking death? Even if you are sick, even if you are, you know, uh, you know hit with maybe the death, but yet you speak life in the midst of that circumstance. You know, I took sick this, um, in April of this year very, very, um, very seriously in February when I was just you know, in New York ministering. And there was, um, before I heard about the COVID and all this stuff, I remember um, I saw a dream in New York when I was there. And in this dream, I saw this, you know, Chinese head, you know, China doll head looming over, over the globe. And it said China. And I thought, wow. And this is the most ugliest Chinese doll, you know, head. And, you know, the uh, Chinese dolls, you know, usually are pretty cute, you know. But this uh, doll's head was the ugliest head. And, you know, and it was looming over the globe. And as it was looming over the globe, over the, you know, the world, it was coming, you know, towards me. And as it came, you know, towards where I was at, you know, all of a sudden, the head just, you know, I saw it written plague. And then all of a sudden, the head, uh, you know, went away. And there were these tentacles that came out. And all these tentacles were going in all different directions. And then there was like a ball on top of all this. And that ball just exploded into millions and millions of pieces. And I saw like a molecule. And in each one of those molecules, I saw these spikes in each one of those molecules, and one of those hit me, and I saw myself on a hospital bed. And as I was laying on that hospital bed, I remember speaking, saying, this is going to kill me. And I heard a man in the dream. He stood beside me, and he said, no, this will not kill you. He said, you still have a work to do for God. And he said, rise up. Rise up, for this will not kill you. And he picked me up by the hand, and I got off the bed, and I woke up. And I thought, wow, this is the strangest dream that I've ever had, you know. And I didn't understand, you know, about this molecule with spikes and stuff in it, you know. I didn't know about the COVID until later on. And when I saw on, you know, about, you know, what COVID-19 looked like, you know, and I saw the spikes. I thought, wow, I saw that in the dream. Well, then in April, I took, I was in Michigan, and I took very, very ill, and um, I was trying to fly home, but uh, the flights, you know, to Seattle were closed, and so I went to fly to my son in California. Well, my flight, um, I it stopped in Seattle, and I said, can I get off, you know? And they said, no, you cannot, you know, leave the flight, and, you, you know, you're on, you have to go, you know, continue on to California. Well, there were only two people on that whole jet, myself and another person. And the pilot had, before, you know, he began to fly, he goes, welcome to your personal private jet. And I thought, this is the first time I've ever flown, you know, a jet, you know, almost by myself, you know. But anyway, when I arrived to California, um, I was so sick, uh, and I was coughing, 
very, very, you know, um, I, it was a nonstop cough, and I had a fever, and, um, and I had a hard time breathing. And so my son and daughter-in-law, they took me to the hospital, and when they took me to the hospital, I was put in a COVID unit. And as I was put in the COVID unit, I remember, um, I mean, I was struggling so bad. I was on oxygen. And as I was struggling, I mean, there was a, an, about the fifth day uh, that I kept, you know, I said to the doctors, I said, you know, they took a test and my test, the test for COVID, you know, showed that it was negative. So I said to the doctor, I said, what is it that I have, you know, if the test shows negative? And he said, well, you've had the, you know, the COVID virus, but right now, you know, you're just coming out of it. And um, he said, uh, but it had affected your heart and it has affected your lungs. And so, um, and then this fifth day, I remember I started to cough so bad where I could hardly, I couldn't talk. And I was literally just gasping, gasping for air. And I, I mean, every other breath was like, <gasps> you know, I thought, I thought, you know, um, I was just going to die. And I remember the doctor, he called my son, and he said, you know, I don't know if your mom is going to make it. Her heart is only functioning at 40%. And I remembered I, you know, wanted to pray, and I was praying inside, you know, of me, and I wanted to pray out loud, but I couldn't. I was just, I just didn't have enough oxygen, you know, air. And so anyway, the doctor, I remember... He took my hand, and as he took my hand, he began to pray. And I remembered the dream, and I said, God, you showed me that dream. Because where Satan wants to take my life, but he is a liar, and I speak life. And that's what the doctor, he said, no matter what virus has attacked you, he said, I speak life to this woman, and I speak healing in the name of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, my breathing began to come back into normal, and my heart began to function properly. And the following, the uh, seventh day, they, you know, discharged me from the hospital. But friends, prayer, prayer avails much. When you feel like you don't hear, but prayer, prayer, it avails much. And so God touched my body. I still have a little bit of, you know, um, a little suffering with my lungs where after speaking, a, you know, a certain length of time, you know, I do need water. <laughs> and uh, anyway, but God is faithful. God is faithful. And so like Elijah, you know, he, he wanted to just die. I didn't want to die, but I, I knew, I knew God had a plan. He had a purpose. And, you know, some of you might be in a place where you say, you know, I've just, uh, I've lost my job. I've lost, you know, everything. And, you know, your health maybe, you know, there are different issues that you are going through. And yet, you know, God wants to still speak. He wants to speak to you quietly. He wants to speak to his people in a way to build your faith up. Don't lose hope. In the midst, in the midst of the circumstances that you may be facing. Don't lose hope, but put your eyes and trust in Jesus Christ. Friends, in a time where people are so hopeless, where people are looking, they're looking for answers. The answer is in Jesus Christ. It's not in the government. It's not in the person in the White House, but it's on Jesus Christ. Friends, our hope has to be, and our focus has to be on Jesus Christ. Richard would always say, you know, 
I don't care who's sitting on the, in the White House. I care who sits on the White Throne. And so, anyway, that was one of his little sayings, you know. And so, you know, um, in uh, Matthew 2.11, these wise men, they came to bring, you know, precious gifts to, you know, for Jesus' birth. And as they came to bring these precious gifts, you know, they were, I'm sure, just like the king, you know, King Herod, he wanted to kill. He wanted to kill all these little boys that were, you know, that were born. But yet at the same time, and he wanted, you know, people, the wise men, he wanted people to notify, you know, if they found where the Savior was born. But these wise men, they refused to do that. They refused to budge. They refused to bow before King Herod. But instead, they came and brought these gifts to, you know, um, uh, for Jesus. And they brought valuable, you know, they brought monetary gifts. And in the midst of economic collapse, in the midst of economic collapse and the struggles, and, you know, God still wants a desire. He wants our desires, you know, to bring the treasure to him, to bring the treasure to him. And these wise men, they brought frank gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And myrrh, to me, you know, myrrh is a, an herb that is very, very bitter. And when it's crushed, after it's been crushed, it's when you get the sweet, sweet fragrant and the aroma, you know, from the myrrh. And, you know, God is crushing. God is crushing each one of us. And it's out of that crushing, after we are crushed, that that sweet fragrance of God, you know, perfumes through us. His character, His faith. His trust, you know, he builds that, his character in us when we are being crushed. It's, you know, we, none of us want to be crushed. None of us want to go through struggles. None of us want to go through trials. But yet every one of us is going and does go through various trials and various, you know, troubles. But yet in the midst of that, in the midst of that, God said, I will be with you. I will go through with you. He didn't say you would not go through it, but he said in Isaiah 43, he says, I will go through the trial. I will go through it with you. Not that he exempts you through it, you know, out of it, but he will walk you through it so that God's name would be glorified and exalted. I'll never forget one time Richard and I, we were traveling in, you know, throughout the States, and this is years ago, and we were traveling with our family. We had a bus. And in this bus, we, we were homeschooling our kids. And so for about 10 years, we traveled in this bus that we converted into, you know, a beautiful, beautiful motor home. Well, anyway, as we traveled to the Midwest, we had all this itinerary set up. Well, when we got there to Mississippi, the pastor found out, I mean, he said, uh, I'm sorry, Richard, but we have this other kind of um, uh, another speaker, another preacher, another famous, you know, preacher. And so we've just canceled all your meetings, you know, for the month. And um, because this other man was, you know, uh, he, he was going to be taking those same meetings. Well, Richard was so disappointed. He was so distraught. And he was, he literally, he said, honey, I think I'm just going to quit the ministry. And I said, honey, you sound like Elijah. You sound like Elijah is just sitting under, you know, in a cave, and you just want to quit. And he said, well, all the services are, you know, canceled. He said, what am I going to do? I can't, you know, support the family this way. And he said, We're, I'm just quitting. 
Well, he began to, you know, tell the kids, and the kids, they go, Daddy, but what did God tell you? And I remember Richard would say, God isn't talking to me. And he goes, go outside and play. And so, <clears throat> so the kids, they went and, you know, they began to play. And, and I remember some of the boys, they would come back to Richard in the motorhome. And they'd say, okay, Daddy, what has God told you? And they would bug Richard. They would bug the dad. Daddy, what has God told you? And Richard would say, God is not talking to me. Just go and play. And he would keep saying, God is not talking to me. And they said, but somehow God has to be talking to you, Dad. He said, well, he's not talking to me. And so anyway, we finally that night, you know, we all went to bed to sleep. And in the middle of the night, I was awoken with this bright, bright light in the doorway. And I thought, wow, we must have overslept. We had an appointment, you know, the following morning. And I thought, we must have overslept. And as I looked, you know, outside, it was just pitch black. And I thought, wow. And in that light, right in the doorway, I saw the man, this man, and the head just went beyond the door. And it was the same man that helped me in East Germany to deliver me, that delivered me from the German shepherd dog that attacked me. And it was the same man that took me and delivered me from the snares of, you know, the, the, um, of being in prison. And anyway, and that man, I found out later, was an angel. And he was the same man that appeared in this doorway. He had blue eyes and blonde hair, the same as when I saw years and years before, you know, in East Germany. And this man, he said, do not quit the ministry. Do not quit the ministry. And I thought, wow. And I wanted to kind of, you know, um, uh, nudge my husband, you know, and say, honey, honey, you know, uh, look, look, look. And I was just so awestruck, so awestruck that I couldn't even nudge him, you know, and I couldn't even speak. I was just so awestruck. And I finally, later on, I fell asleep. And early in the morning, I said, honey, anything happen to you at night? He said, oh, wow, honey, you'll never believe what happened. I said, what happened? He said, in the middle of the night, he said, there was this bright light. And this man stood in the doorway. And he said he had light blue, you know, light blue, you know, uh, eyes and a blonde and blonde hair. And he spoke the words, do not quit the ministry. And I thought, wow, God, you are so faithful. You're so faithful. And so Richard, he goes, I guess I'm not quitting the ministry. <laughs> and I said, God does speak. God does speak. You know, even when circumstances look, you know, so, uh, so bad, you know, and yet God does speak as we still, you know, put our trust in him. And so the next day he, you know, um, Pastor Cecil, he goes to Richard, you know, uh, we have one service in high school for you to speak to the, you know, to the assembly there. And so Richard said, that would be wonderful. And Richard, Richard's prayer was, God, if you can just, if just one person gives their heart to Jesus Christ, then I'm going to, I know that you're going to open other doors. You're going to open other doors. And in that assembly, 50 decisions were made for Jesus Christ. High schoolers, 50 decisions for Jesus Christ. 
our God, our God is an awesome God. And God literally opened doors in Carolina and other places, you know. And so we continued, continued the ministry. And Richard told the kids, he said, you know, even when we don't hear, even if we don't think we don't hear the voice of God, but he still speaks to us. He still speaks to us and he wants us. He said, we need to learn to accept the crushing. We need to learn to learn and accept when God crushes us. Because when he crushes us, that's when he wants to perfume his aroma in us and through us. I remember in, when uh, years ago we were in Uzbekistan. And as we were in Uzbekistan, um, we were ministering there. And there were Muslims that were coming to the Lord. And so we were placed, we were asked to, you know, stay in this complex. And this complex building, all these buildings, apartment buildings, you know, they're just chock-a-block, you know, uh, one block after another after another, just, you know, big high-rise, you know, apartment. And they all looked the same, brown, you know, old, ugly-looking brown color, you know, or uh, grayish color-looking apartments, old, old. This is like 20 years ago. And so anyway, they told us, whatever you do, do not tell the people, you know, around the community where you are staying at. So Richard and I and my sister and brother-in-law, um, we would go to the little cafe not too far from those apartment blocks. And so as one day we were, you know, we just sat down and we began to pray. And as we were praying, this gal, the waitress, she comes up and she goes, I see that you are praying. And we said, yes, we are. She said, well, I want to know about God. And we said, okay, well, we can meet you, you know, at the park or outside, you know, sometimes, you know, just tell us, you know, the time. And so she said, well, I'll, I'll let you know another day. So anyway, a few days went by, and we're having services in different places, you know, in that, in not just that community, but, you know, in remote villages too. So one night we come back after a service, the pastor drops us off, and we were on, you know, the 14th floor. And so, and you had to walk. There's no elevators. You know, you had to walk all the way up there. And you come up those stairs, and it's pitch black. There's, you know, a tiny, tiny little light in that whole, you know, staircase, you know. And um, so you're, you know, literally, you know, walking by mostly Braille. And um, I remember coming across rats. <laughs> and I screamed so loud that uh, my husband, he said, honey, that's just one of their animals. You know, I go, yeah. <laughs> and found out, that, you know, these rats. But anyway, we come into, you know, into our apartment, into our, you know, floor. And we just open the door, you know, come into our apartment. And all of a sudden, just a few minutes later, we hear a knock on the door. So I open the door thinking that it's my sister, you know, and her husband coming from their service. And so as I open the door, here is this waitress, um, you know, Snezhana. And I said, wow, you know, how did you know that we were here? You know, and she said, I want to hear about God. So, and she put her leg and she pushed her foot against the door, you know, to uh, swing it open. And so she came in and we began to talk about the Lord. And as we began to share about Jesus Christ, and as Richard began to expound, you know, also, you know, about the Messiah, about the Lord, and all of a sudden, she just began to roll her eyes back. 
And as she began to roll her eyes back, I said, wow, this is just a demonic manifestation. You know, she does not want to hear. And I said, Jana, you don't want to hear about God. And, you know, and she, she just didn't say anything. I said, Nijana. And the Lord spoke and said, you have got a plot that you have been planning against my husband and I and against my sister and her husband. But God is going to expose that plot and he's going to destroy that plot. And, you know, she looks at me, and, um, and she just, you know, gets startled. And then my brother, brother-in-law and sister, they come. And as they came, I said, Jesse, maybe you can share about God with this girl. And um, so he begins to share, and she does the same thing with her eyes, you know, just rolls them back. And as she rolls them back, um, uh, we just began to pray for the powers of Satan to be broken, for the, uh, the lion spirit to be broken, and for the destruction that she had planned, that it would be broken and it would be revealed. And I went, uh, and right after that, I went into the kitchen, and, you know, there was a piece of old crusty bread, and it was 120 degrees. It was hot, hot, no air conditioning, you know. So anyway, the windows were wide open, so I took this crusty bread, and I thought, oh, there's just shrubs down below, you know, there's nothing. And so I threw this, you know, crusty bread outside. Well, unfortunately, it hit these guys below. And they yelled, and they said, Snijana, when are we going to come and kill those infidels? And I said, wow, you know, and I said, Snijana, your plot is being revealed. I said, so you have got guys out there waiting to kill us? And she said, yes, I'm, I was supposed, I'm supposed to let them in to kill you. I said, Snijana, Jesus loves you so much. He loves you so much, I said, that he's allowed you to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can surrender. You can give your heart to Jesus Christ. I said, he does not you know, no matter what your plan was, no matter what your plot was, Jesus cares for you so much. And she just drops on her knees and she begins to pray. And as she begins to pray and repent and ask Jesus to come and be her Lord and Savior, she said, I no longer will be a Muslim. I no longer will read the Quran. I no longer will be, you know, will bow to Mecca. She said, but I will bow to Jesus Christ. And she cried and she cried. And there was such a mighty transformation by God, by the Almighty Savior. And Snijana was changed from, you know, being in the chains of sin and Satan. You know, God set her free. He set her free. But she said, what am I going to do? I said, you know, uh, we will call this pastor to come. She said, because if I leave, she said, if I leave by myself, then those men, they will kill me. And the pastor came and he took Snijana and he took her home. And we found out later, Snijana led her family also to the Lord. And those guys that were going to kill us, she said, you know, they wrote to us later on, those guys that, you know, had this plot, they too, they saw the change. They saw a joy. They saw a transformation of God in her life. And they also came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior from killing to life, from death to life. 
So God wants us to speak forth life in the midst of death. God wants us to speak forth life, you know. And so, um, uh, just when when things seemed like impossible, impossible, you know, with man, but yet to God, you know, He is the one that opens those crooked doors and makes them straight. And so just like this year, God opened these doors to these Islamic republics. God opened them like they have been closed for decades and decades. The last time we were able to bring and share the gospel of Jesus Christ in these, you know, these hard Islamic republics was over 20 years ago. And since that time, they were closed. But for the first time this year, this year, I mean, Satan, yeah, he, you know, he's thrown all these attacks. He's thrown all this COVID. He's thrown all these different viruses. But yet God says, I'm greater. God is greater than any virus. God is greater than any disease. God is greater than the circumstance that faces right before your eyes. Oh, God, he says, you know, uh, and you might, you know, people will say, well, where is God? Where is God? God is in the midst. He's right here in the midst of you. He's right here with you. You know, it's sin that, you know, that kills people. COVID was brought by sin. But Jesus Christ, he said, I have come not to destroy, not to kill, but I have come to give life and that more abundantly. To give you life and that more abundantly. And so, you know, um, sharing the light of Christ right here in your community, right here in Wasilla, right here in Alaska. Don't shun away. Don't shun away. Don't just isolate yourself and say, you know, well, this thing, it might, you know, attack me. Friends, don't shun away. Be careful. Yes, be, you know, use some wisdom. Use, use some smarts, like Richard would say. Use some smarts. You know, if you are not feeling good, if you're sick, then stay home. If you've got a fever, you know, stay home, you know, and, you know, um, and isolate yourself for a time. If, you know, you know you've got symptoms and stuff, and, you know, use some wisdom. But at the same time, don't panic. And don't panic and think, well, is this going to kill me? Is this going to kill me? Friends, there are many viruses that have come and gone and that will still come and will go. But friends, our God, our God is greater than any, any virus. He's greater than any disease. He's greater than any, any attack of the enemy. Friends, the church of God is going to still go on. And if there's ever been a time, this is a year where the gospel has been propagated and has been heard greater than ever, ever before. Online, in these Muslim republics, our teens, they said not only were we able to bring the word, not only were we able able to bring the Bibles to them. But they said we were able to be online for the first time. The government allowed them to be online in Kyrgyzstan, in, you know, Turkmenistan, in some of these stands that that was forbidden for years and years. But for the first time, because of this, this COVID stuff, they were allowed to be online and they were sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so our teams began to even plant, plant churches. We had a, we have a company that, you know, has these mobile, you know, units where they come and they bring these mobile units and these mobile units are placed like a church. They accommodate over a hundred people. So we had quite a few of these established, you know, this summer in these Islamic republics. For the first time, friends, God is an awesome God. You know, Satan, 
You know, he, th- he thinks he's going to destroy the church. But Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Because Jesus Christ, he's the builder. He's the builder of the church. And no, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Because stronger is the power of Jesus Christ. Stronger is the, you know, he has given us his weapons, the word of God. He has given us his sword. He has given us the shield of faith. And he has given us, and he encourages, and he wants to encourage the body of Jesus Christ. And give you that shield of faith to fight against the enemy's tactics, to fight against the doubts that come into your mind, to fight against, you know, all the discouragement, all the anxieties, all the unbelief that come and bombard, and all the negativeness that the enemy tries to bombard into you. And God says, I want to build you up. I want to build you up, and I want faith to arise to be strong so that you will be a beacon, so that you will be a beacon of light in the midst of this darkness, a beacon of sunshine for Jesus Christ in the midst of, you know, where there's apathy, where there's hopelessness, where there's discouragement, where there's depression. God wants you to bring forth life, to bring forth faith, to bring forth encouragement to them, to know that Jesus Christ, he is the Arthur, the finisher. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is your refuge. He is your defense. He is your fortress. And he is the shield. He's putting a shield around you. And he says, I am the God. I'm the God that will rescue you. I'm the God that will save you, that will deliver you, that will spare you from all the onslaught of the enemy. Friends, there is coming, there is coming a great abundance of rain upon this area. And God is awakening his body to awaken, to be ready, to be ready, to be prepared, to receive a mighty gathering, to receive a mighty gathering of the abundance of rain that is coming upon these areas. Friends, you are to be ready. You're, you're, there's going to be people that are outcasts that are going to be, you know, not nice looking, not nice people. They're going to be people full of rage and anger. And yet God is going to bring forth deliverance, deliverance, salvation, healing, restoration, reconciliation. But he is waiting. He's waiting for the church of God to arise, to arise to another level, to another level and not be in a state of apathy, not be in a state of doubt, not be in a state of worriness, not to be in a state of anxiety, not to be in a state of fear, but to be in a state of faith, in a state of faith and believe in God for great and mighty things that he wants to do in you and through you because there's, there's coming a river, a river of fire of God that is going to burn out the dross, that will burn out the dross, but the fire of God is going to spread. It's going to spread throughout like a wildfire, the Holy Ghost fire, a revival, a revival that will sweep, that will sweep, not only just, you know, the Wasilla, but I believe the revival is going to sweep our land. It's going to sweep our land for the last time before the coming of Jesus Christ. Friends, the coming of Jesus Christ is very nigh. The coming of Jesus Christ is very, very nigh. My father, just this summer, he went home to be with the Lord, but just before he did, he just kept speaking. He said, daughter, Jesus is coming back very, very soon. He said, prepare yourself. And he, uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, after several days, he had stopped talking. And then all of a sudden, he just, you know, he began to speak. And he said, Sara, Sarashka, you know, Sara in Russian. He goes, hurry, hurry, hurry. 
He said, get the gospel to the four corners of the earth. Get the word of God into areas where you have not reached. Get the gospel into areas where you have not gone to. He said, hurry, hurry. Because he said, Jesus is coming soon. And the doors are going to be closed. Jesus is coming very soon. He said, prepare, prepare the church. He said, let the church and warn the church that the coming of Christ is very soon. To have their hearts ready. To walk a righteous life. To walk after holiness, to walk after the things of Christ, to pursue not after materialism, but to pursue after the things of Jesus Christ and to walk after him, to listen and obey him. And he said, because Jesus is coming very soon and the doors are going to be closed for salvation after that. He said, but pray, pray, he said, and work quickly, work quickly. And then all of a sudden he was seen. He goes, oh, I see these angels. I see them. And he goes, and they're singing and they're worshiping. And he said, oh, and this one angel, he said, he's sitting on this white horse. And he's coming down very quickly. And he's got this trumpet in his hand. And he's about to blow the last trump. He said, he's about to blow the last trump. He said, hurry, hurry. He said, Jesus is coming soon. And then he said, and I see this angel, this other angel. He said, welcoming me home, welcoming me home. And then he said, and all of a sudden, he said, I see Jesus sitting on a throne. He said, and Jesus is standing up and opening his arms wide to welcome me home. And then all of a sudden, he just went like this, you know, goodbye. And he went home to be with the Lord. And I thought how precious it is for God's saints to go to be with the Lord. I said, Daddy, you're out of this world, out of all this mess, out of this chaos that's going on, you know. But yet the words resonate in my heart, in my spirit. You know, hurry, hurry. Don't isolate yourself, but share. Share the word of God. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Share the love of Jesus where there's so much hatred so much hatred. At the same time, God wants you to show the love of Jesus and to share the love of Jesus to those around you because before the coming of Jesus Christ. As every head is bowed and every... And I want us to be in a time of prayer right now. Maybe there's somebody here right now and you, you don't know. You haven't had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Or maybe you have had a personal relationship, but you have fallen away. And you have not, you know, just, you've had so much fear, doubt, unbelief. And you've been walking, you know, in the world and trying to still be a Christian. And God says, this is the day. This is the day God wants to cleanse. He wants to, sep he's separating. He's separating the wheat from the chaff. And today he's saying, will you surrender everything to Jesus Christ? Stop walking in the middle of the ground. Stop walking in the middle of the way. But be surrendered totally to Jesus Christ. And if there's anyone here this very morning and you would say, you know, I need to come back to Jesus Christ or I need to surrender my heart maybe for the first time to Jesus Christ. He's you know, right here, with we, he wants to welcome you with his open, loving arms. He wants to cleanse you, forgive you, take away the guilt, the shame. Take away, you know, the, 
um, the things that the enemy has ensnared you, the chains that have you've been in bondage maybe with certain different addictions. God wants to break those chains this very morning. And if there's somebody here and you say, I need that prayer, I need to surrender, if you just raise your hand to the Lord, and I'd love to pray for you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, can we just stand, folks? Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father God, you see, you've seen this hand, God. You know the state that she's in. And God, I just ask, whatever addiction, whatever habit, whatever has ensnared her, I ask that you would just cause the spirit of the living God to break off, break off any, any addiction, any of the things that the enemy has ensnared her. God, I ask that as she surrenders that unto you, as she surrenders her heart, her life before you, that Jesus, you open your arms and accept her. You're not asking for her to be perfect. But Jesus, your blood that you shed on Calvary, your blood that you shed was for our sins, was to redeem us, to cleanse us, to forgive us, to make us whole. And Jesus, I ask you right now, by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, let her sins, let her sins, every addiction be set free by the power of Jesus Christ. And God, I just ask you right now, there are those, Lord, that have been wavering in their walk with you. And I ask that as you draw them, as you draw them unto yourself, you draw them close unto you, that Jesus, that they would put away their selfish desires. They would put away their selfish agendas. And they would, Father God, follow the still small voice. Follow what you ask them to do. Follow the word and the voice that you speak unto them. Jesus, I ask you right now that you would just cleanse. You would cleanse the mind. Father God, there are some that have polluted their minds, that have polluted their minds with filthy things that they've been watching. And God, I ask that you would just set them free by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your deliverance. I thank you for your cleansing of your blood. I thank you, Jesus, Father God, those that may be in turmoil in their hearts about the circumstances that they may be in. God, I ask that you would just bring forth peace, peace that passes all their understanding. Let it rule their heart. Let it rule their mind. Let the peace of God take a hold of their life, their mind. In Jesus' name, God, I come against this fear. There are some that are still living in fear of even this pandemic. God, I ask that you would break it off them. 
you would break it off them in the name of Jesus and let faith arise. Let faith arise. And Jesus, I ask that you would just dissolve every doubt. And God, even now, I ask that you would touch those that may be ill. Father God, I ask that you would touch, you would touch even now the throat condition. God, I ask that you would heal this throat condition in the name of Jesus. I come against the growth in the name of Jesus. I ask that you would dissolve it and you would allow the healing virtue of Christ to flow, to flow through that growth, to flow through that throat, to make her whole in Jesus' name. I thank you, God. I thank you, Jesus. And Father God, I ask that you would heal, you would heal this crippling arthritis in this Sister, this man as well, God, in Jesus' name, I come against rheumatic arthritis in the back, in Jesus' name, where there has been pain, where there has been pain for so many years. God, I ask that you would heal. You would heal that pain now. You would cause, you would cause that disease to be gone, that you would make them whole by the power of Jesus Christ. I thank you, God. I thank you in the name of Jesus. And Father God, I just ask that you would also you would heal and reconcile this marriage. You would reconcile that marriage in Jesus' name, God. Where there has been walls, I ask that you would remove those walls. Where there has been even bitterness, I ask that they would forgive one another. They would forgive and let the walls be dissolved. Let those walls be dissolved in the name of Jesus. Father God, I ask that you would instill your divine love, your divine love, where they have not had that love for so long, I ask that you would reinstill, you would birth a fresh, a fresh new love for one another and for you. Jesus, I thank you, God. I ask you, God, that you would heal, you would heal that head right now in the name of Jesus. Father God, I ask that you would heal every nerve, you would heal every nerve, every cell in Jesus' name, Lord, where there has been um, a, a, a high count of the, red, uh, of the white blood cells. I ask you, Jesus, that you would cause a healing, a healing power of Jesus to flow through this individual right now. Take away every doubt. Take away every fear. Take away, take away the things, Lord, that the enemy tries to lie to them in Jesus' name. Speak in death in Jesus' name. I come against. I come against those lies of the enemy in Jesus' name. Father God, there will be life. There will be life in Jesus' name, Lord. I thank you, God. I ask you, Father God, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would also bring forth, bring forth into their remembrance, Lord, of the things, the blessing that you have done in their life, God. Jesus, let them not just ponder on the negative things, but let them ponder on your blessing, on your blessing that you have poured in their lives. And Jesus, I ask you, God, that you would just dissolve. You would dissolve this poverty mentality in the name of Jesus. I come against that poverty mentality, and I just ask that you would bring forth, you would bring forth an abundance, an abundance of also resources to this family, God, where they have been in such bondage with finances, God. I ask that you would release, you would release finances in their family, God, not only for the family, but for the kingdom of God. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God. Jesus, I bless you. I thank you, God, for what you are doing and what you're going to do, God. I praise you, God, that you are, you are our King of kings and Lord of lords. And Jesus, I just ask you, God, 
that you would touch this child in this family, God. I ask that you would touch that mind. You would touch that mental condition in the name of Jesus. I ask for the healing virtue of Christ to touch and make and restore. Restore the things, Lord, that are impossible. Even doctors have said that he will be that way the rest of his life. In Jesus' name, I ask that you would heal. You would heal that child in the name of Jesus to the glory and the praise of Jesus Christ. I thank you, God. I thank you, God, that Jesus, you are our healer. You are our healer. You are our provider. You are our uh, omnipotent God. I thank you, Jesus. And God, I just ask that you would just cause your church to just become alive, alive as they leave the sanctuary, that they may be a bold witness for you. I just ask for boldness to come upon them. I ask for your holy boldness, a double portion of your mantle to come upon them. A mantle like Elisha received from Elijah. He called forth for Elisha, a prophet, to be a prophet. And Father God, you are calling out. You are calling out your people to speak prophetic words to a generation, to a people that are hopeless. Father God, I ask that you would build the, this church and you would put a holy boldness in their mouth, into their heart, into their life, in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that they would speak forth the word, articulating it to the, where it will pierce the hearts and the lives of the people, God. I thank you, Jesus. I ask that you would uh, cause them to arise to arise with great power in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in this area. In this area, God, I believe that you're going to begin to do it quickly, quickly to your glory, to your praise, God. And I worship you. I thank you, God, in Jesus' precious name, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Didn't you enjoy Sarah today? Amen. She's also going to be here tonight speaking again. I encourage you to come tonight. Also, we're going to be spending some time tonight in prayer for the election. I know without a doubt this is the most important election in my lifetime. And as we gather tonight, I want you to to remember that and be praying the next few days. Not only that God's will will be done, that nothing also would take place. You know, there's threats of riots and uprising and all these things. But we're going to speak peace and we're going to trust the Lord. Amen. We're going to see a revival come to this nation. We're going to see this nation turn back to God. Amen. I want you to, as we, as we leave today, join Mitch. He's going to lead us in a song. And let's just worship the Lord as we leave today. God bless you, and I hope to see you tonight. Your blood.